The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. That's right, Bears Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you. And what can I say, folks? That one wasn't pretty. The Chicago Bears dropped to 3-1 and one after the Indianapolis Colts, I'm going to say dominated them for, for basically 60 minutes of football. 19-11, the final score. Bears make it a little competitive in the fourth quarter. Flirt with an onside kick for trying a, another miracle comeback. But it is not in the cards. Got a great guest coming up. Mark Silverman, Sylvie. From Waddle and Sylvie ESPN Chicago. He's going to be stopping by here in just a few minutes. Talk to him about plenty going on around the Chicago Bears. And and kudos to Sylvie. Uh, If you hadn't heard, end of last week, he announced he is in full remission. So Sylvie Strong, certainly a great hashtag and and a great response from the city of Chicago. And Sylvie in full remission. So that is is some wonderful news. We'll talk to him a little bit about that. But we're going to talk Chicago Bears with Sylvie. Because there's a lot to get into with this team. And the first thing I'm going to address is the it's only one game, relax mentality. Now, I am not throwing the first three wins out the window. I am not sitting here saying, oh, this team is destined for a 4-12 and record. But don't sit there and go, it's only one game. I, I can't stand that. It's one thing if the Bears were 8-1. and one and then came out flat against a mediocre football team and lost and fell to 8-2. and two. And you said, look, this is a good team. They had a bad week. This is not the situation here. The Chicago Bears are 3-1, and one, and that's an excellent record. And everyone in the city of Chicago would have signed up for a 3-1 and one record through four games. So that, that is not my issue. My issue is that this team is an eyelash from being 1-3. and three. You could make the argument about 0-4, oh but look. I understand the Giants made it interesting in, in, in that game, but the Bears were for the most part in control, especially after a really good first half. So I'm not going to sit here and say they were lucky to beat the Giants. But you can't sit there and say that luck didn't have something to do with two miraculous comebacks against Detroit and Atlanta. They're an eyelash from being 1-3, and three, but they're 3-1. and one. So let's take full advantage of 3-1, and one, but let's not sit here and pretend that this is a, a truly contending team right now and that's what we're looking for we're looking for a team 
that can contend. And I just don't see it right now with this Chicago Bears football team. There are too many issues on both sides of the football. Special teams have been really good early, but even special teams failed against the Colts. There's, there's too many problems right now to sit here, put your head in the sand and go, they're three and one, I don't wanna hear about it. All right, too many issues. So let's sit here, let's, let's analyze this Colts game a little bit. Let's start on the offensive side of the football and let's start with the quarterback. Now, to be fair to Nick Foles and Matt Nagy, you do have to give them a little time to gel and to really kind of figure each other out, figure this offense out, figure out Foles. I understand they've got a history together, but it's not like you just pick up after years and, and, and just pick up where you left off. It usually doesn't work that way. So you gotta be fair to them a little bit, but I'm not gonna sit here and change my tune and criticize Mitch Trubisky each week and not come out here and give another fair assessment of Nick Foles, who was rotten against Indianapolis. Now, if you've listened to this podcast for basically the whole year or longer, you're gonna know that I am not a huge Nick Foles fan. I did not necessarily think that Nick Foles was the right move for this Chicago Bears team. And if it was, I certainly didn't support how they did it, giving up a, a fourth round pick and everything that they had to do to bring him here. There were too many good options at quarterback in the offseason via free agency. And that's something that never, ever happens in the NFL. Quarterbacks don't just become available. That's not what happens in this league. If you get a good quarterback, you cling to him with, with, with the grip of a thousand strongmen. You don't let go of a quarterback. And yet the Chicago Bears, with Nick Foles available, with Cam Newton available, Phillip Rivers, Teddy Bridgewater, Tom Brady, Derek Carr potentially for a trade, the Andy Dalton, the list goes on and on. Jameis Winston, all these quarterbacks that were available. So Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, Bill Lazor, Flip, the whole team, Dave Ragone, they all sit down, they look at the tape, and they say, Nick Foles is the guy. All right, well then if Nick Foles is the guy, you all know more about football than I do. If Nick Foles is the guy to run the Matt Nagy offense, and I understand Nick Foles isn't a great quarterback. Nick Foles is streaky. Nick Foles is intelligent, but Nick Foles is not an athlete. Nick Foles is not, does not have a consistent arm. There's plenty of problems with Nick Foles, but Matt Nagy and that group of people said, Nick Foles is the guy that's gonna run this offense. All right. Well, then Nick Foles needs to be able to run the offense. And Nick Foles could not run the offense. I think Nick Foles had a bad game yesterday. Now, sure, he made some throws that Mitch Trubisky can't. But the Trubisky fans are going to sit there and say, well, Mitch Trubisky can make plays with his legs and whatever that Nick Foles can't. That's fine. Fair. Whoever was quarterbacking the team against the Colts was not winning that football game, clearly, based on everything we saw. And Matt Nagy probably had one of his bottom five worst games as a head coach in terms of an offensive game plan and calling plays. It did not work. He could not adjust. It was a really just a woeful performance offensively. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that everything's going to be fine with Nick Foles. I think the offense is going to be better with Nick Foles, but the offense needs to take a step forward. We need to see this offense and look, Ryan Pace built this team through the defense. He spent more money on the defense. The defense has to be the dominant part of this team. That's the way it's built. I know people sit there and say, well, Matt Nagy's an offensive guy and they, they need to have a great offense. No, no, they don't. Look at where the money is spent right now. 
on the offensive side of the football. They spent a little money on Allen Robinson, a little money on Jimmy Graham, which is probably a little bit misspent and over over uh, overpriced there with Jimmy Graham, a little bit on Cody Whitehair. But there's not a lot of big-ticket items on the offensive side of the football. You go to the defensive side, well, they paid Akeem Hicks. They paid Eddie Goldman. They paid Khalil Mack. They paid Robert Quinn. They paid Kyle Fuller. They paid Eddie Jackson. They paid the defense. They have a very good defense. They want to keep it together. And that's where they're investing their money on the defensive side of the football. So this is a defensive-oriented team. Don't get that, you know, don't get distracted by that. But the offense, with Matt Nagy being an offensive coach and Nick Foles being the guy he picked, they need to be average or a little below average. We're not asking for a lot. That's what we're looking for. You know, and I would uh, I would say 20 to 24 points a game. That's where they need to average. I believe league average last year was about 21, 22 points a game. This year, league average is about 24 points a game. That's where the Bears need to be because this Bears defense consistently, whether they had the flash of 2018 or just the consistency of 2019, this team does not give up 20 points a game. They, you know, they will from time to time, but I'm talking about an average over 16 games. This defense will give up less than 20 points a game. You give up less than 20 points a game, your offense just has to score a little bit more common sense to, to offset that and, and to be a good football team. And it's just not there. It hasn't been there for a while. And Matt Nagy needs to figure that out. And I don't know what the solution is, but I certainly need to see some improvement here in the next couple weeks because I have been an ardent supporter of Matt Nagy and I think Matt Nagy is a good head coach. I mean, look, Bears fans, you want to criticize Ryan Pace. That's fine. Criticize Ryan Pace. You want to criticize Matt Nagy. That's fine. You want go ahead. Criticize Matt Nagy. I'm not saying these guys aren't worth criticism. You want to criticize the, the roster, whatever you want to do. But the fact of the matter is, is that Matt Nagy is 23 and 13 as a head coach at the NFL level. That doesn't happen accidentally, all right? You know, I understand people are like, well, Barry Switzer kind of accidentally won a Super Bowl. He inherited an all-time great roster. That didn't happen with Matt Nagy. It was a good roster, and he's winning with it. So you have to give Matt Nagy some level of credit, but there is still something amiss offensively with Nagy and this system, and I don't know exactly what it is. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. The offensive line play needs to improve. The play calling in certain spots needs to improve. The quarterback play needs to improve. They need more weapons on offense. Other than Allen Robinson, they just have a bunch of pretty good pieces. No one is stepping up and taking, you know, at becoming that guy, that, that second option where you sit there and go, that guy is good enough to get 1,000 yards because Anthony Miller is inconsistent all over the place. Darnell Mooney continues to improve, which is great to see. But a fifth-round rookie potentially being your second most reliable offensive player that ain't good when you've invested in Anthony Miller and you paid Jimmy Graham and, and you invested in, in all, all the, you know, David Montgomery, a third round pick. You're making an effort to put these pieces in offensively and a fifth round rookie is the guy who's emerging as the second most reliable player on offense. That's not what you want to see from an offensive personnel grouping. So they, they have to correct some things offensively. Maybe it's about getting some more consistent players out on the field. Matt Nagy is constantly rotating guys around. I, I don't know what the solution is, but they have to look inward and figure out what it is because this offense has to get moving. Because the defense, look, 
the defense is showing some flashes of getting to the quarterback and, and getting some pass rush and everything, but Robert Quinn has not been the guy they, they hoped he would be. I don't know what's going on with him. I know he missed a lot of training camp. We had the weird ankle injury. He's not on the field that much. He's on the field less than 50% of the time. I think, you know, if you, when you include the, the game he missed, he's, he's only been on the field for about 25% of the defensive snaps. If you eliminate that one, it's still only about a third of the defensive snaps. That You can't pay a guy the kind of contract they gave Robert Quinn and make him a situational pass rusher. That's that's not what's going on there. That that has to improve. But, you know, this defense, you know, can't just pin its ears back and go after the quarterback and cause plays because they're terrified the offense can't score. And based on results, they're right. This offense can't score. You take away some lucky fourth quarter, you know, comebacks. What what is this offense done? Basically nothing. So there there are plenty of issues going on here. And we're going to get to him with Sylvie here in just a minute. But before I go, one thing I just want to say, and there's plenty of Trubisky fans out there going, look, Nick Foles stinks. They should go back to Mitch Trubisky. They're, they're not going back to Mitch Trubisky. All right. And you can find out why they're not going back to Mitch Trubisky right here. And that is Tyler Bray was activated to the 53-man roster so he could be on the sidelines against the Colts. Why, why would that happen? All right. Quarterback plays. What does the backup quarterback do? The backup quarterback puts his little ball cap on, grabs his little clipboard, basically operates as an assistant offensive coordinator in those games. He's paying attention to the defense. He may be, you know, tracking things. He's working with the offensive coaches. He's listening. He's in on the huddles. That backup quarterback is kind of an on-the-field coach. We saw that a little bit with Chase Daniel in the past. We saw that with Nick Foles the first couple games. And now Nick Foles is starting. So what's Mitch Trubisky's job? Put on the ball cap, grab the clipboard, and help the offense out with what you're seeing on the field. They activated Tyler Bray to do that job. Now, I'm not sitting here going, oh my God, they took one of the inactive roster spots. It doesn't matter. I understand it doesn't matter. I'm not sitting there complaining that Tyler Bray had to get activated to the 53-man roster. But the fact is, they had to activate Tyler Bray so he could do the job of the backup quarterback because the coaching staff does not trust Mitch Trubisky as a backup to see the defense and understand what he's looking at and help out the offensive coaches and the starting quarterback. He cannot do that. Mitch Trubisky, for any talent he might have, cannot read a defense. He cannot. He cannot. See, he does not see what the defense is doing. That's why he beats Matt Patricia, because Matt Patricia refuses to do anything, but basically man-to-man, -man, and Mitch Trubisky can handle man-to-man -man because it's just who's open and throw the football. He cannot read zone schemes. He cannot read hidden, hidden coverages. He doesn't see them coming. He's no help to a coaching staff that way. This is not a Mitch Trubisky needs to tighten up his footwork and he's going to be okay. We're four years into this thing and Mitch Trubisky cannot read a defense. So stop sitting here going, he just needs to do his footwork. He needs this. Matt Nagy needs to change this. Forget it. If the ship has sailed, I don't know if he's ever going to figure out. If he does, it's going to be four or five years down the road. But it's not happening this year in Chicago. Mitch Trubisky, look, he's better than Tyler Bray. So if Nick Foles gets hurt, which is a strong possibility, then yeah, Mitch Trubisky is going to play again. But Mitch Trubisky, as far as this coaching staff is concerned, is, is finished in Chicago. And, and we'd be all better as a Bears fandom, as Bears Twitter, a Bears, you know, unit to just 
put Mitch Trubisky behind, put the arguments behind us, and focus on Nick Foles and, and Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace moving forward because this team has a lot on the line here this season, a lot on the line. The way Ryan Pace, the way Matt Nagy constructed the roster this year, they went all in on this season. We need to see some results for what they did to this roster this year. They backloaded money. They brought in some older players. They wanted to win this year. Why do they want to win this year? Because they want to be here next year to pick another quarterback to try and mold and to buy themselves a couple more years and reload the roster around a new quarterback. That's clearly what this is. If you don't see it, look, I, am, I don't have inside info on this. This is a theory of mine. But Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy went all in on this year to make sure they had a winning team. Because you get a team that's made the playoffs two out of three years, you're certainly not going to fire the head coach and GM. You just can't. Not after, after that, having a winning record over three seasons and making the playoffs twice. It doesn't make any sense. If they do that, they're going to be around to pick another quarterback and control the direction of this franchise for another three, four, five seasons, whether they're here or not. Whether they're here or not, if they get fired after a couple more seasons, well, they've already brought in the new quarterback and, and kind of built some of the foundation around him. So this is a really important season because the Bears brass is going to have to make a determination if they fully trust Pace and Nagy to continue controlling the direction of this football team. And three and one looks good right now. And they've got winnable games coming up in, in a couple months. But coming up here now with this with this schedule with Tampa coming up soon and Tennessee coming up soon and the, the Saints, they got plenty of difficult games coming up over the next four to six weeks. They've got to buckle down and win a couple of these games and keep their heads above water because then the schedule will get easier and they'll have winnable games, but they can't bury themselves right now. We need to see who this team is and if we trust Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace with this roster moving forward. A lot on the line this season. We're going to talk about it next with Mark Silverman, Sylvie of Waddle and Sylvie. We'll be back with him here in a minute. This is Bears Banter. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back into the podcast. Very excited for our guest this week. He is Mark Silverman, better known as Sylvie of Waddle and Sylvie. You can follow him at Twitter at Waddle and Sylvie. And he joins us now. Sylvie, Bill Zimmerman, how are you? Great, Bill. Always good uh, getting your content on, uh, tw on Twitter. Uh, we seem to think alike when it comes to the Bears a little bit. So we'll see if we could disagree on anything or if we're going to go along with each other here. Absolutely, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll be in interesting to talk about it here because that Colts game was interesting. Before, before I dive in, just want to say, say congratulations if people hadn't heard. Uh, end of last week, Sylvia announced the cancer's in full remission. And, I mean, you, you've become a staple of the Chicago media, and I think people really see as, as, as a friend and as family, and it was, just, it was just great news to hear. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, I got the, at least uh, the remission news uh, about a week ago. I finished my, my chemo over a month ago. And, like, uh, initially, you know, to get the news in, the, like, the first week of April when I was first diagnosed, you know, the, the, the you-know-what hit the fan at that time. So hopefully we're, we're getting better and better and better, and hopefully uh, all this COVID stuff soon will, will be better and better, and, and hopefully we'll get a, uh, a, a solution once and for all. 
Yeah, absolutely. How, how much it mean to you? Not, I mean, obviously you got friends and family that are going to rally behind you, but I mean, really the entire Chicago sports community with Sylvie Strong and, yeah. and social media. And I mean, I, I remember all the Bears writers, you know, had, had the t-shirts and they posed for pictures at, at, the, at Soldier yeah. Field. How, how much did it mean you seeing everyone rally behind you like that? Well, it, it's humbling. I mean, it was, it was humbling, number one. And, and you know, you and I uh, have been in this in the radio business for so long. And we understand that the power, what the power of radio is and the power of relationships uh, that it builds and, and everything. But I don't think I was ever prepared. And I didn't really fully understand that I, I was gonna get the backing that I got. Like, again, like I was blown away when I first announced it and I got the support that I got. I don't know what I thought I was gonna get. Like if people say to me, well, what did you think you were going to get? You know, you're on in the third largest market and, you know, you know how Chicago sports fans are and you guys have been on for over 13 years, but I didn't expect that. And um, it, it just, it solidified to me the importance of relationships and with, with the listeners and with the people that you've met along the way and who, even though you're competitors in some sort, uh, some sort of way, that you're really not, that we're more peers than anything, that we're all in the same thing. And, and, you know, I've always tried to be transparent and pretty upfront as a fan. I'm, I'm who I am. There's no radio personality in me. Um, that the, What you see is what you get. There's no bits like, hey, Sylvie, why do you think this way about Trubisky? You know, are you just doing a radio bit? And, you know, for better or worse, this is just who <laughs> I am, you know? And, and if I'm going to give you a take, it's because this is how I feel as a fan. And uh, I've just been myself through this and, and, what I've gotten back from the fans is just, it's incredible. And I, I, I could not have gotten to where I am today without them. Absolutely. I, I would say you're, you're definitely an, an authentic radio personality. It's not BS. It's, it's who you right. are. And, and I think that's why fans and, you know, they like listening to you because they know you're not BS and it's, it's true opinions. Now, now, speaking of authentic, let's go to the Chicago Bears yeah. because – I don't know who the authentic Chicago Bears are right now after that performance against the Colts. So where are you on this? Is this a, it was just one game, let's not panic? Or is this the warts of the first three weeks came bubbling up here and, and you have legitimate concerns? Well, I think it's both. I think it's a yes answer. I mean, the, the, the 3-0 and was such a weird 3-0. and And I'm never a guy who says, you're 3-0 and and you should be 0-3 or you should be 1-2. So... What uh, you know, we don't judge it by by college power rankings. This is judged by records. And if you get enough wins, no matter how good you are, you're on to the playoffs. So you'll never apologize for three and zero. But the truth of it is, the Detroit game and the Atlanta game were both games that they had a 0.1 percent chance of winning, um, in the probability. And like, think about that. And Bill, you know this that. Like, we're lucky if you get one of those every couple of years. Like, they got two in the first three weeks. And then the Giants game, like the Giants, with as shorthanded as they were, they were driving down the field with a really good chance to win. So um, I know they're not great, but I did not expect the – I didn't expect the Foles era to get off as rocky as it got off. 
And I thought, like, I didn't – like, we know that the reason why they've scored all those points against Atlanta is Atlanta's defense is bad, especially late. They did that against Dallas. And the Bears had their hair on fire, and they played the best football and scored the most points over the last two years under Nagy when in sometimes garbage time, you know, like the Eagles game we've talked about and, and uh, the Saints game last year, and they – and, and, and Foles came in, he caught fire. Trubisky caught fire in the fourth quarter. What I what just pains me, dude, is is the first three quarters and the way they come out and what what is their plan? I mean, the line isn't that good. And can they run the football? Can they stay committed to running the football? Why are we taking David Montgomery off the field as much as we're taking him off? I mean, there's so much there that I just gave you. Um, I probably didn't answer your question fully about like <laughs> what I mean I'm worried yes I'm worried because I think in a blink of an eye you're three and two unless they surprise all of us on Thursday um, and then who knows but all I want is the offense and all we've asked on our shows for the offense to be average because if they could be a middle of the pack offense I think this team can do some damage but they're far from that. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And I actually, I had Olin Krutz on the podcast last week and talking to him about where the team, and obviously they were 3-0 and at the time, and he mentioned something that he was hoping that this team had a vibe similar to the Dick Duran 13-3 and yeah. Jim Miller team. Oh. That was, was a pretty good team, but yeah. was not 13-3 and good, but no. just, you know, the ball bounced their way and Mike Brown scoring touchdowns. And, you know, the James Allen, you know, uh, Hail Mary. Yeah. And everything went perfectly. And he's like, maybe, just maybe, things are lining up to have that kind of a season. Now, that's you – know, one game doesn't make, make it, you know, make or break a season. So, hopefully, maybe Olin's right that they got the mojo. But it certainly wasn't there in, uh, uh, against the Colts. Well, you're singing my tune, though, because – so, in 01, I was still on the Bears beat. Um, I covered the Bears from 95 to, like, 03. And that 01 team, I loved. Like, I loved covering that team. Um, the personalities on that team, Keith Trailer, Rosie Colvin, sure. Ted Washington, Erlacher in his prime, in his fast prime, um, even maybe before the, the prime prime. And then Mike Brown, like you mentioned, and like, I go back to that team. You're singing my tune here. They were 13 and three. They got a lot of good bounces. And then who were their quarterbacks? Their quarterbacks were Jim Miller and Shane Matthews. And is that what we have now? I mean, (laughs) it could be like, I've always said that Foles when Foles is low level Foles, like there's so many different stages that we've seen throughout the years of Foles when he's at his like low level, he's Shane Matthews. It could look very (laughs) dull, very boring, very short passing, and we know, obviously, the ceiling's much, much higher than Shane. It's Super Bowl. It's, it's a Chip Kelly, 23, uh, 27 touchdowns, three interceptions. But that's what I worry about. I worry about are we – even if they do win with some smoke and mirrors, like where are – we're still in quarterback hell, aren't we? And, and how do we get out of it? Yeah, let's, let's jump in on the quarterback. Before we do, just one quick side note of that 2001 season. I was a weekend board op for Sporting News Radio at the time, and I board opped a show called Around the NFL, 
which yeah. covered all the games. And the man sitting next to me for all those Bears games was a one Randy Merkin. Yes, so, yes. Of course, big wig over at ESPN 1000 there. So, yeah, so Randy and Silvers, I – was, was Ken Silverstein still doing the updates then? Was, wasn't Ken one of the, your guys at 101? Yeah, sure. Abs- absolutely. So, so there you go. So, Rand, Randy That's and I watching – Old uh, school. Old watching school uh, James Allen is. diving on Shane Matthews' touchdowns oh. against the Browns. So, that was, that was good times. But uh, – Let's let's jump on uh, on the offense here. Let's jump on Nick Foles. And like you said, you did not think the Nick Foles era would get off to this that rocky of a start. I didn't think so either. Mm-hmm. Now look, uh, you know I haven't. You know we've agreed a lot on Twitter. We've gone back and forth about Trubisky and, and all his problems. And look, you know, great guy, and and I can say all the positives. But you know, he just didn't have it. At least for this offense, maybe he'll figure it out in five years. I, I don't know, but it's going to take Mitch a while to kind of figure out defenses. So, so we move past that. We get to, to Foles, who I don't love Foles, but I do respect his ability to go on heaters uh, like he has and that he can run a professional offense. So the offense against the Colts, there's multiple fingers. The offensive line was poor. Foles didn't look good. I don't like Nagy, Nagy's uh, game plan there. But what was the biggest issue, if you could try and point your finger at one of them there for the Colts, the offense against the Colts? You know, uh, it's the line, isn't it? I mean, my biggest issue, the thing that I came out firing today on the show about was my biggest issue is more of a big picture issue. So it's not a zoom in Colts game. It's just the quarterback hell. It's just how how am I, how are you as a lifelong Bears fan ever going to get our forever quarterback? You know, that I think we're as far away from that as we've ever been. You know, like at least at the beginning of Cutler, we thought maybe Jay could be that guy. At the beginning of Mitch, maybe he can be that. But now we're at the end of Mitch. We know Mitch isn't here for long. And then what? What did? what's Foles in the grand scheme of things? I mean, and how are we going to get the next guy? You're not bad enough to draft one early. Do you trust Pace to pick another one after Glennon, after Trubisky, after Foles? And so that's my biggest issue. But if we're just talking about the Colts game and you mentioned Olin, it's – what is Ryan Pace built with his line? And I don't, and I don't, and I don't know if Nagy just doesn't stay committed because he doesn't trust the line. Again, like Charles Leno, you start that third quarter and you come out throwing on that first play of the third quarter, but right away, Leno gives up a terrible sack, terrible. And so you're looking out of the, out of the locker room, you're looking at second and what, 18 and already Foles is playing from behind and you just, that first down play we know is so key. If you can run and run for positive yards and get second and five, second and four, now it's a different ball game. And you come out of that third quarter, you get sacked. And then, you know, we know Massey isn't that good. Uh, James Daniels, they've drafted early. They asked them to gain weight. What is James Daniels? Uh, what, you know, if Fetty's in a, in a contract year, what have you really built in this offensive line? And so that, that to me, scares me most and what you can do and I know they were ranked pretty high a couple of years ago but I did not think they played well last year and and they and Waddle told me they have not been good in the last two games especially yeah and that was the thing I think a lot of people look the you know when you look at advanced analytics after week one is that the Bears offensive line was the best in the NFL right pass blocking and rush blocking it really looked like maybe they were turning the corner and now we're starting to regress to a lot of the same problems and, and I just, I sit there, look, I, I support a lot of what Ryan Pace has done. I'll criticize a lot of what Ryan Pace has done, but 
his lack of investment in the offensive line via draft picks and not, you know, I, I understand he's thrown some flyers on fifth, sixth, seventh round picks here, but I mean, you're talking about two second round picks, no first round picks. Grasso was a third round pick. Didn't work out. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, you're on five, five drafts now, whatever it is. And you're talking about three day one or day two offensive linemen. And we all know how important it is. It just seems like kind of a bizarre way to approach that, that offensive group. Can you win? Here's a question for you. Can you win in the NFL with a mediocre left tackle, a mediocre right tackle, and a mediocre quarterback? I mean, I think we know that with quarterbacks in general. Like, let's say Foles plays better than mediocre. Let's say he plays above average football. You know, but again, like, is that, is that really the formula? Those are some of the most important positions on a football field. And if you're just – if none of those guys are stars – or really good players, how far are you going? Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I think, and this is my theory, that they've kind of had this, the whole be greater than the sum of its parts kind of right, theory. Right, right. Fine, but it just, it's, it's really not, not working. It's not gelling. It's, it's something that uh, Juan Castillo is going to have to figure out because, look, the Colts defensive line is very good. Buckner's a beast. Houston's a problem. Like, they, they've got talent up there. And that, that, that was kind of a measuring stick for this offensive line. You know, once they kind of get into some better defenses, how they're going to kind of do it. And they failed their first, first major test. So, you know, we got a short week this week before Tampa's coming up. And I think the Bucks defense is good. I don't think it's, you know, in, it, it's not uh, the stalwart defense that's impenetrable. And, and I think the offensive line is really going to have to step up because for me, like you said, you want the Bears offense to be average. I figured it out. I was just kind of looking at it. I know it's only four games, but if they average 24 points a game, right, yeah. they'd be at 18th in the NFL. That's perfect. perfect. This defense isn't going to give up more than 20 points a game. That's where they need to be. And that's, that's kind of where I think the offensive line and Nagy and Foles behind that. That's what, that's where they got to kind of pinpoint. And any, like any fan who says, well, you guys, you know, you guys are too hard on them or like, listen to what you just said. 18th in the NFL. You know, you hire a head coach who's supposed to be, you know, offensively connected. And, and Brian Pace has been here for five and six, five or six years. That's all we want. You know, like Waddle keeps saying, be average. You just said, be 18th in the NFL. We're not asking them to go into the top 10. We're not asking for like, our bar is where it, it's appropriately should be. And they've just been the ones who have underachieved. Yeah, it, it really has been a problem. And, and, and look, the defense, and I've said this, this has kind of been my theme the, the whole year on, on these podcasts, is it, does, it just doesn't have the 2018 swagger. And I don't know if it's going to get it back, but it's still doing a good job. It's just not, it's, it's not flashing. It's not doing the turnovers, giving the offense, the, you know, the short field, the defensive touchdowns. What do you think it is on defense? Like I said, I don't want to sit there and say they stink. They don't stink. No, you know, they're, no, they're, no. Keeping, they're keeping teams below 20 points. They're, 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 they're doing their jobs for the most part but they're not flashing. You know, they're not making right. those huge plays. They're, they're, you're, you're not seeing back-to-back -back sacks, forced fumbles, you know, interceptions for touchdowns. We're not seeing that. I know we got close a couple times with Eddie Jackson this year. And, and yeah, Khalil just, Mack was, dropped the one, you yeah, know. Khalil he, Mack had that, that one. That could Who knows where that could have been. They're close. They're just not putting it together to get back to where they were. We circled today on the show uh, Robert Quinn. So you spend all this money on Robert Quinn. And then, you know, you don't have an off season. 
And then in camp, he's out for personal reasons. And then all of a sudden, he's got an ankle injury that we don't know where that came from, when that happened. And we looked at the snap count, and I think he was at 44% of his snaps. Yeah, he was. And are they sitting him – like, I, don't, I know he's not going to play 90% of the snaps, but, but are a lot of these guys, and especially a guy like him – I don't want to say out of shape, but just not in game shape where you have your wind to continue to, to rush the passer. And for what you paid Robert Quinn, he's got to get after the quarterback and you, you got him to replace Leonard Floyd. And, and I think it was, was it you today too tweeted about Leonard Floyd? Yeah, I was talking and, about Quinn and Floyd. Absolutely. Yeah, and so 44%, you know, you pay all that money to Quinn and he's only on the field for 44%. And then out of those 44% of snaps, how many are you circling Robert Quinn and saying, yeah, he, he, he got pressure on the quarterback there. He's doing what he's done best here with Dallas and in his good years with, say, with the Rams. So, like, I think that's a major part of the defense. Once the pass rush gets better, and I hope Robert Quinn will, because I, I don't want to circle it and be like, well, here's another thing that we have to worry about, what, what Pace did, and now we're in cap hell because of it. Yeah, and – Quinn, Quinn was just kind of on my, my target because, look, and, and look, Leonard Floyd's been on the field for probably twice as many snaps. But Leonard Floyd has more sacks, more QB hits, more pressures, more tackles, more everything. And obviously that's a one-year $8 million deal versus everything at Quinn. I get it's only four games. It's only three for Quinn. I know. But, <sighs> you know, and, and I got where they were going with Quinn versus Floyd. I think Floyd sure. was a better player than he got credit for. He just wasn't a good pass rusher. But to me, you know, the old Richard Dent rule of three. If, if you have three great pass rushers, you got Hicks, Quinn, and, and Mack, and you double team them all, well, that means the, the fourth pass rusher won't even get blocked. You know, you don't right. have enough guys to block if you have that many good pass rushers. So I got where they were going with it, but they haven't gotten there. And I think if this team, especially on defense, is going to create big plays and cause havoc, they have to pressure the quarterback. And we've seen it start but they just they haven't been getting consistent pressure through these four games yeah look and, and a lot of the things that we've talked about with the defense too if we're going to nitpick is is also how many times since 18 has bear have the bears taken a lead and then they could start pinning their ears back and getting after the quarterback i still think they should be rushing the passer better but again it would help if the Bears score more than three points before like their last possession of the game, like go down the field and score a touchdown, you know, on those 15 scripted plays and, and play with a lead. And then maybe the Bears can start turning some of those 2018 plays into 2020 plays. Yeah. I've always kind of been curious, you know, Chuck Pagano, when we came, all we heard, he's going to blitz. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to get after the quarterback. He's going to go for turnovers. We heard all this stuff about the Pagano style and we haven't seen it. And I, I do wonder if it's, that he's worried if he kind of sends the house and it doesn't work and he gives up seven, if he's put everyone behind the eight ball for the rest of the game, right. he doesn't have that freedom because he just doesn't know if the offense can keep up. Yeah. And it's, and look, it's, a, it's, it's like a play here, like the fuller pass interference. It's an Eddie Jackson missed tackle. It's the Eddie Jackson pass interference. It's the Khalil Mack drop. Like, we're nitpicking because, again, 19 points and the stat that you gave us about being 18th would be 24 points a game. And you win games by only giving up 19. And, and it should be good enough. But I think we have really high, high expectations for the defense. Well, let, let me talk to you kind of about the overall construction of the roster because I have a theory. And I will okay. say this is just a theory. I've never heard this from anyone. But 
I've always thought Ryan Pace made decisions based on what he felt was the best for the organization, the best for trying to put this team together and the best moving forward. And I do feel that this year, this past off season, was more kind of more about him. And what really? I mean by that is, you know, the heat started picking up a little bit. I know the Bears brass loves Ryan Pace and all, but, you know, they, they, you know, they, they disappointing season. I feel like he kind of put all his chips in the basket on this 2020 season, the way they structured contracts, keeping Trevathan instead of Kwiatkowski, going with the age, and then punting money down there. Quinn, backloading the contract. Kind of went all in on this year. And I feel it was, again, my theory, make the playoffs. And you sit there and say, you've made the playoffs two out of three years. The ownership cannot be upset with you. Then you got a shot in 2021 maybe to, to make a maneuver or maybe get a mid-round you know, quarterback. I mean, Watson was the 13th pick. Something like that, get a quarterback in the first round. Now you've bought yourself another couple, three years that you can reload the roster behind a new quarterback. Because if he gets a second swing, he's only getting a second swing. He's not getting a third at the quarterback. Right. No. I, I just kind of feel that maybe they just went all in this year to try and win to make sure they had an opportunity to get another quarterback. Because Foles, for whatever he is, to me, he was always kind of just going to be the bridge quarterback until sure. they figure out what the quarterback will be. Best case scenario. Yeah, yeah. And um, we were – the one thing, the Jimmy Graham thing, too, I think fits into that. And Absolutely. I don't think that Jimmy Graham is is a bad player to have on the team. I, the the analogy I used on the show today was, Jimmy Graham is like the iPhone three. Like when the iPhone twelve comes out, okay. Like, are you willing to spend eight hundred dollars on the iPhone twelve? And some people are because they want to have the best tech, the newest thing, the most awesome thing. It's today. It's the future. And what Ryan Pace did is he stood in the Apple store line for an iPhone three and was there a rush to go get Jimmy Graham? Like why pay iPhone 12 money for an iPhone three? I like Jimmy Graham is past his prime. We know he's limited these days, you know, and why go out and give 9 million guaranteed. And I, I just don't understand why they did it that way. I think every cent counts to save against the cap. I'm confused about what is Cole Komet not where he's supposed to be because of a lack of training camp. Why isn't he on the field enough? He was your first pick this year, but yet Mooney, who's a fifth round pick is on the field. And I know everyone develops, you know, at different stages, but the commit in the tight end room is something that's very interesting to me and something they put a lot of stock into this year with, with whether it was a draft capital or, or, you know, money capital against the cap. It's something that I wonder if they handled the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Komet, look, I, I know rookie tight ends are traditionally slow starters. It's a tough position to learn. And, you know, you don't see tight ends come in and flash as rookies too much. So Komet, it's going to be a process. But, you know, if you, if you want to nitpick, he's got as many catches through four games as Adam Shaheen did. So <laughs> let's, let's hope it's not going to go there. I, I think he's got a lot, you know, he's not a prod. He shouldn't be a project like Shaheen, but it, it does make you worry because you just, I know it's four games. I know you're right. He had no preseason. He didn't really have an off season, you know, plan, you know, he didn't get to work with the quarterbacks and all, but you sit there and see Komet's given them nothing in a month. You do start getting concerned that maybe this isn't progressing, you know, like, like, like they wanted to. When you look at Komet, I wonder, you, you look at Kevin White, you look at Shaheen, 
Um, you look at Anthony Miller, who's been very consistent, drafted early. Have they used Montgomery enough? Like, uh, like you're drafting a lot of these guys very early, and are you getting the return that you should be getting? And some of them may not be bad picks. I like Montgomery. I just don't think they they use him enough, and I don't I I, I don't think they have to share the load as much as they think they have to share the load. So I, I'm not panicking on Cole Komet. I just like you said, I would like to see him more, and uh, and especially when the two other guys aren't guys in their prime right now. At least one guy isn't even a pass catcher, and they're targeting him more than they're targeting Cole Komet. Yeah, absolutely. So so we're, we're talking about this offense, and, you know, like we see, Matt Nagy's throwing a 1,000 different personnel combinations out there. He's trying different things. Maybe you're against it. Maybe you're for it. You know, I, I hear a lot of people saying, you know, you're not getting consistency. Guys aren't staying out on the field. They're not getting in a rhythm. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's the play calling. Maybe it's the quarterback. Maybe it's the offense. We, we know all these all, all these issues, right. and they're they're all kind of bubbling in, in into one problem. So where are you? How much time do you want to give the Nick Foles Matt Nagy offense? Because you know, to be fair to Nick, he you know he came in with no off season, no preseason, ten practices basically decided him or him or Trubisky. Now he's getting thrown out there. I know, you know, against the Falcons, it was great. And it was, you know, he's kind of just playing backyard football for part of it and just telling guys where to run. But how many games do you give Foles and Nagy together where you sit there and go, like, forget Nick Foles, forget, you know, this this may just be a Matt Nagy offense problem. Oh, yeah. Oh, as far as that's concerned, um, I think it's ongoing. And and here's my – theory too about Nagy and I love Nagy and I think Waddle and I totally disagree on Nagy and and his value to the team if he's not a good play caller let me just take you down this road what if Matt Nagy isn't a good play caller what if he's not good with a play sheet on game day like are is he a failure as a head coach because I believe you can get coaches from any shape like whether you're a special teams coach like John Harbaugh, whether you're a defensive coordinator like Bill Belichick originally with your background. Like you don't have to be the play caller on defense or offense to be a great head coach. So I still believe that Nagy is a a good culture setter. I believe they play hard for Nagy, but he's never proven to us as an OC, whether it was in Kansas City or now quote the OC with the Bears, that he's really good at calling plays. And, and I've, I, Waddle and I differ. I wanted him to give up play calling duties. Maybe there's a meathead in me. I don't know where you feel uh, during the off season. Waddle wanted to see more and now we're seeing more and I'm still wondering, is he the right guy or is he better off managing everything? And I don't believe that if you're 23 and 13, I think that's what his record is. Yep. 23 and 13, 10 games over 500, that that would be being a bad head coach. I think maybe it would be a good head coach to admit your weaknesses and or to say, hey, I'm better off right now as an overseer. And like Andy Reid's got a lot more cachet and a lot more play calling experience, but he's even delegated as good as he is uh, throughout the years to different guys. So I'm just one. I believe that Matt Nagy could still be a good head coach, but I, I worry that he's not a good play caller. So to answer your question, I think that's an ongoing conversation. I give it, I give, I, I agree that you got to give it time, but 
Justin Herbert wasn't expected to start at all until they gave the shot in the wrong spot, you know, in game two. And now sure. all of a sudden, with no training camp, he's thrown in there and he's awesome. And we're seeing with what Joe Burrow is doing. And we saw what Cam Newton is doing with a new offense. So I don't think it's crazy to say, hey, Nick and Matt and Bill Lazor, who's worked with Nick Foles in the past and – all these other guys, Filippo worked with him last year and the year before that in two different teams. Like, yeah, let's get your you-know-what together. But, but on Nagy, I think it's an ongoing conversation that I think we all need to have. Yeah, and, and I do think, you know, you brought up the record. It's, it's 23 and 13. And, and you look at this team over the last, you know, two, two, two and a quarter seasons now under Matt Nagy. 23 and 13. So I, I know Bears fans want to get on Nagy. They don't like the play calling. They don't like the offense. They want to get on Ryan Pace. They don't like his moves. Something's working. You can sit there and say the games are ugly. You can sit there and say they should be, you know, they, they should have beat the Chargers last year. They could have gone 10 and 6 really easily and made the playoffs. And I get all that. But they're 23 and 13, which for this organization, you know, other than the little stretch with Lovey, is something we haven't seen since the 80s with Ditka. Yeah. So there's something working and I don't know exactly what it is, but I do tend to agree with you that I think the most positive thing they have is Matt Nagy, the man and the leader of men and, and overseeing the organization. Yeah. And again, I don't think it's so like Waddle believes if you're admitting you're not a good play caller, then why the hell did we bring you in? I still believe a head coach has a lot to offer. If he's really good in the room, if he's really good at teaching and developing and overseeing, but someone's just better on game day calling plays because, again, he didn't come with a lot of experience. And even if you take away the 12 and four, okay, and you say, all right, well, Fangio was there and they were 12 and four with Fangio and they did a lot of that with that. He's still as bad as they've been over the last year and a quarter. They're still, what, two over 500 then? Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. And, and we've seen, we've seen a lot worse. And, Two over 500 is nothing to sneeze at from a head coach's record. All right, let's, let's wrap it up with this one. So they're three and one. They do have some tough games coming up here. Obviously Tampa coming up on, on Thursday night. Um, let me start with this. Let me give a prediction for you. Bucks bears. How do you think this one's going to play out? Um, I don't think it's going to go well. Um, I think the offense will, will be better. I think, what Tampa did in the second half, I think on a short week, that may benefit them. And being on the road on a short week is usually a bad thing. But now with no crowds and Brady being able to, to get, still get more familiar with his offense, I'm going like 27-20 bucks, 27-17. Like they'll do something better, but they can run the ball a bit. The, obviously, they've got Tom Brady. And I think, yes, I think in a blink of an eye, they're going to go from 3-0 and to 3-2. and And it will be a big test for this coaching staff to, to bring this team back and to see what we can do here over the next 11. Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's a, a good way to look at it. So with that being said, if I told you you had to place a bet right now, even money, I remember seven playoff teams this year, playoff team or miss the playoffs again, even money, where are you placing your, your money right now? It's really tough because with the Vikings, I had the Vikings in and they've started off poorly and they got, they got a much needed one yesterday, but so they're out now. Um, I'm going to say even money shockingly in. 
and it may go against everything I set the tone for during this. And, <laughs> and when I shut the laptop, I may go through the teams again. And, and by deduction, I may say, damn it. I wish I would have told Bill that they were, they were uh, out, but I'm going to go in right now. I still think they've got wins in them where they're going to surprise us too. So maybe nine and seven because of the generous three and O start. Uh, maybe 10 and six with some help. I don't know, but I'm going to go in with the extra playoff spot. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. I think it's the extra playoff spot that makes it interesting because if, if you just kind of go through it, and I understand it's only four games and you got to play the schedule and all that, but you know, early on you sit there and say that the Rams are probably better. The Seahawks are better. Right. The Saints are better. The Bucks are better. The Packers are better. That's five teams. You know, whatever's coming out of the NFC East is six. Right. So that leaves another spot. And are right. they like San Francisco, did you mention San like will San Francisco rebound? Will will yeah. Cardinals be a playoff team? Like yeah, that's are, that's that's where they're competing. Yes. They're gonna we're gonna get the graphic all year again in the hunt. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be that, NFL on NBC every Sunday night in the hunt. The in Bears the hunt. sitting there right around the seven or eight seed. So yeah. All right. Well, there he is. Thanks so much for so, for so much time. Mark Silverman, Sylvie Waddle and Sylvie on Twitter. Thanks so much for jumping on. Really appreciate it. Again, wonderful news. Full remission. Thank you. Go Bears. All right. There he is. Mark Silverman, Sylvie at Waddle and Sylvie on Twitter. Really, really great guy. Cannot be happier for him, for his family, for honestly, the entire city of Chicago, the sports fans, that 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 Sylvie's going to be okay in remission. That's just awesome news. I really think it was amazing how much the city of Chicago really rallied behind him. I mean, fans and and teams and and, and the media and everyone. It was it was it was awesome. So if you were one of them, you know, kudos to you. Tip of the cap. That that was that's that's just awesome. What what happened here the last, over the spring and the summer with Sylvie, but. You know, getting back to football here, Sil- Sylvie makes a lot of good points here. And and the Bears coming up here, they've got a really good test coming up against Tampa. And yes, they are probably going to lose. Tampa is a better football team than them. But it's going to be an opportunity to really understand where this football team is. Because if they lose, you know, 34 to 13... Then we're going to sit there and go, all right, you know, they just got shut down by a good Colts team. They got blown out by this Bucks team. They might be three and two, but they've got problems. But even if, if they lose a, even a close game, you know, if this is a 27-24 kind of a football game, then you sit there and go, okay, this is a, a team. It's a good team. They've got flaws. Every team does. They, they have to work on those. They got to work on them on the fly. They're three and two. There's some winnable games coming up. There's a big difference here about what kind of football team this Chicago Bears team is, and I don't think anyone really knows. I mean, what has the theme been on this podcast? Not just my theme, but the theme of the guests. You know, I I, I came on after the Detroit game. I said, hey, you know, Detroit's not the kind of team you have to, you want to win like that. You want to be ahead and in control the whole game. That didn't happen. So then we had John Mullen on when the Bears were 2-0. And what did Mullen say? I, I just don't know about this team right now. I know they're 2-0, but I, I just don't know. They go to 3-0. We have Olin Krutz on. Olin Krutz goes, I just don't know about this team. They have some issues. Now we see that that finally manifests itself in a loss. Sylvie's still sitting there going, I don't know about this team. They've got some issues. So there's clearly a theme here. And clearly the Bears need to try and get some of this stuff solved. And I don't know if they're going to be able to get everything solved, but they have to figure out how to hide 
those flaws a, a little bit better here moving forward. And with this game coming up against Tampa, it's going to start with the offensive line because this offense needs balance. It's always needed balance. Yes, it's going to be a pass versus offense. So I'm not saying it has to be 50-50 run pass split. I'm not saying it, you know, but, you know, they can pass more than they can run, but the run has to be effective for them to be able to pass the ball effectively. It's critical right now for this team to have that. They just, they don't have the personnel. They don't have the ability to sit there and drop back and throw 45, 50 times a game. They need some level of balance. If you're going to have 60 plays, you know, 34, 26, 33, 27, something, something like that. That's what this team needs. And it's going to start up front with the offensive line that was really good for a couple of weeks, was okay in week three and really faltered in, in, in week four. So that has to be where it starts get a good balance on offense so they can control the clock a little bit and they can keep Tom Brady off the field. Because Brady is still a good football player. He is not what he was a couple of years ago. He certainly wasn't was he, what he was, what, about five, six years ago, whatever it was, when, when New England crushed Chicago, put up 50-plus points. He, he's not that player, but he's still a good player. He's smart with the football. He knows where to deliver it. So the defense is going to have to be sharp, and the offense is going to have to be better. They put that together, I think they can be close. I am going to take Tampa to win this game. I'd love to be proved wrong. I'd love to start next week's podcast going, wow, this team is better than I expected. I think they're going to keep it within a touchdown, but I don't think this is going to be a, you know, coin flip game with two minutes to go. I'll say 27 to 20 Tampa. That's what I'll go with. Hopefully I'll be wrong, but let's see who we're talking about next week when the podcast returns. Will it be... The three and two bears where we've got some issues or will it be the four and one bears where they're putting a stamp on a season and saying we're better than people gave us credit for. We'll talk about it next week. Bear down, everybody. Adios.